Josh, do you actually know where we're going? What do you mean? You can't see that town in the distance, Emily? Not really, since we're walking single file like this. Your hair has some serious height, you know. Why do you get to be the party leader anyway? Uh, probably because I'm a boy? Well, whatever it is, I guess it's probably for the best. You do have more hit points than I do. Getting you some better armor is definitely on the list of things to do once we reach that town. So stay in step. Left. Right. <sighs> left. Are we there yet? No. I'm tired of walking. Emily. How much longer? Emily. Don't make me turn this party around. Can we at least stop for a while and listen to some music? If we do, we'll have to hustle after we're done. I actually don't think I can walk any faster than this. Literally. Alright, alright. Let's take a break for now. We'll get to town when we get to it. Hi everybody, welcome back to the VGM Jukebox, I'm Emily. And I'm Josh. Each week we play about six tunes recommended by you, our patrons, and we also read your testimonials. Alright, so let's see what we have on tap for today. Starting us off, we have a recommendation from patron Yoshimitsu. Uh, and this is also with Utopia Nemo. The game is Double Dragon Neon. It's the title screen theme. The composers are Kazunaka Yamane. And this was arranged by Jake Kaufman for the PC.
Yoshimitsu says, well actually, Utopia Nemo says, This song was selected by my oldest son, Yoshimitsu. I don't know if this falls afoul of VGM Jukebox rules, since it's a cover slash remake of a pre-existing game track, but this is his immediate choice for favorite track. He digs the rocking guitars, and who can blame him? It's a great rendition of a classic video game track. Well, as you can see, it does not break our rules. We're playing it. Um, That's right. And, and we don't really have too many rules, I, I don't think. You know, especially nah. with this cover actually existing on another version of the game. It's fine. You know? Yeah. Sometimes the only thing I worry about a little bit is um, playing things that are more current or modern. Sure. Because I'm afraid that someone will come after us. Yeah. But then if that happens, we would just regrettably take down the content. But anyway, let's not even talk about it too much. Yeah. Um, I like that uh, he's got Yoshimitsu, his son, involved in listening to video game music. Uh, that's one of the things I wish I was doing. One of the reasons I wish I had a kid right now is to make them listen to VGM. And just like stuff that I like, you know, in general. Yeah, yeah. See if I can mold them into a, uh, a lover of Chi-Chi's Pro Challenge Golf soundtrack, you know? Yeah, yeah. Or see what system they gravitate towards. And if it was a little girl, you know what I'd be playing? Sanrio uh, Carnival? Sanrio Carnival. <laughs> or, or, you know, if it's a he, he can also have tea time. I actually recommend it. Speaking of gender roles... What, do you know what happens at the beginning of Double Dragon, Emily? I do know what happens at the beginning of Double Dragon. Do, uh, do you want to tell the story of what happens? I don't know if it's really a deep story, but mm -hmm. there's a girlfriend <clears throat> character. I believe she gets knocked out, thrown over some guy's shoulder, and carried off. And then the Double Dragon twins go off to rescue her. She gets punched in the stomach. From, That's what I thought. Yeah. I, I thought she got actually She gets punched, punched in the gut, which makes her lean over and then you can just like i guess throw her bent over over your shoulder and walk away or right. whatever and then you i don't know are you guys both dating her or is she your sister or something because it's very clearly a game about two men right trying to get this girl <laughs> back right and at the end i mean you know there's sort of a twist at the end Oh, of the even the original Double Dragon, there's a twist. I didn't know. I think that. so. I played the arcade cabinet not too long ago, and it's almost like who knows whose girlfriend she was because that gets determined later. Oh, or redetermined or changed. Yeah, at the end you turn against each other, I guess. Well, I don't guess. You do turn against each other. Reason unknown, I'm assuming, is to fight over her. And then she's cool with, you know, whoever wins. Yeah, I'll go with that guy. Wow. So maybe she was in on the whole thing. She was just maybe the strongest man to come out on top. That's really funny. Now I'm imagining that she was over that guy's shoulder. And she was like, yeah, I think that looked really good. And he's like, yeah, sell it, sell it. <laughs> and she's like, oh, help me. And she's like, and if you kill him, you know, I'll go out with you. You know, um, that'd be she's funny. She's the mastermind if, behind the entire thing. That'd be funny if she has to date whoever kills you. It's Aww. just some random thug who happens to get the last punch in on you. And she's oh, right. that guy. Some random guy throwing a barrel or 
swinging or whatever they're swinging. Yeah. Or even one of those women with the whips. Were there women? I don't remember that. Yeah, there's like women in uh, purple kind of workout clothes. They have red hair. Huh. And they have whips. They don't... They have their own special weapon. They're the ones you get the whip from. I don't remember. Do you remember using a whip? I don't know if I remember using a whip. Oh, you gotta get the whip. Anyways, um... You know what's kind of funny, though, is talking to you as a woman and player of video games, you know, when they designed Double Dragon, and when I first saw Double Dragon, I didn't think anything was weird about this idea that the entire motivation of the game would be from a man's perspective. Like, of course right. we gotta save the girl, we gotta save the princess, we gotta save the girl, and, uh, well, what's that like, being a woman, and being expected to have these sort of motivations? Well, it's an interesting question. I will say that when you're young enough, you don't even really think about it. Like, it made perfect sense to me that I would be saving a princess, you know, or playing that character. I was just being the hero. Mm. So, you know, that made sense. I think, you know, as you get older, you start realizing, like, oh, I'm always playing boy characters. But And I've wondered what that's like um, in comparison to, you know, if I were to ask you about it. Mm. If you're playing a game with a, a male avatar and that's the only option, I'm assuming that you identify with that character as if it's you. Mm. Um, and I would kind of see it as I'm playing a story about this character and I am making the decisions for the character, but I'm not that character. Mm. If I were that character, then I would be making those decisions. You know, the decisions that I'm making as kind of like the god figure that's pulling the strings and going through the adventure. But like right now I'm playing uh, the original Legend of Zelda and uh, the game's about Link. Uh -huh. It's not about me. I'm helping Link do what he needs to do. Interesting, yeah. Which is interesting because they made Link to almost be like this uh, blank slate who can exist right. in all these different times or whatever. And yet, right, it's true. never as a woman. Except now, or a girl. I believe. Oh, really? That's happening. Yeah. Oh. I don't remember how this is fitting in, but the, the internet exploded recently with this, uh, f you know, female Link character. I think her name is Linkle, mm -hmm. which I will say, maybe we could have come up with a cooler name than Linkle. But um, I think that's neat. But then you get into the debate over whether or not each link is the same link reincarnated or if it's just some kind of... That's, that's way too much to talk about on this podcast, I think. Well, Basically what I'm saying is I could go on and on and on and on about all this stuff. It's, this is, I find, very interesting. I don't think it's too much. We are going to... I'm going to ask you more <laughs> questions about that, but let's get to the next song first. Um, All right. But before we do that, I just wanted to bring one thing up about the fact that we got Yoshimitsu um, via Utopia Nemo. Do you think Utopia Nemo was trying to win our contest? Maybe. He's got two kids in on it now. Oh. That doesn't mean that he's got two votes. It just means that he has two children who could potentially win this. Oh, I see, yeah. His uh, his daughter was a plus one earlier. And that thing that he can win, if you don't know, dear patron, is a copy of Mother 3 
I beat the game and now I'm gonna give it away to anybody who brings a friend and has them do a recommendation on the show or anybody who writes a review on iTunes. Right. Um, if you are doing the bring a friend option to, you can still, uh, you know, apply for this scholarship. <laughs> I mean, enter this raffle. Um, just send us an email at the VGM jukebox at gmail.com to let us know. Right. And please attach an essay of no more than 5,000 words <laughs> explaining what it was like for you to be playing boy characters in your RPGs growing up. Oh, please don't. Yeah. Please do that in the comment section. Yes. Actually, I think everybody would want to hear that. By the yes. way, um, we're finally putting a deadline on this, and that is uh, Sunday, June 5th. Yes, so if you're that's when submissions close. Yeah, we'll put a reminder up there on our social medias. Um, but if you're listening to this on Friday when it comes out, um, you only have Saturday and Sunday to enter the contest. Correct. And then winners will be announced Friday the 10th. Yeah. Or the winner will be announced Friday the 10th. Great. All right, well, the first track I'm going to play was recommended from Mike. The game is Socket, a.k.a. Time Dominator. The track is Olin Cavern. The composer is Fumito Tamayama, Yoko Suzuki, Shigenori Masuko, and it's for the Sega Genesis. Mike writes, Hey guys, I'm making my way through the archive and I've gotten to your request for bad games with great music. Three games come to mind immediately. The ill-fated Crash Twin Sanity with its unique acapella stylings, Sonic Shuffle, the Sonic the Hedgehog themed Mario Party clone with a very Jet Set radio sound to it, and Socket for the Genesis. Since my previous suggestions were on the modern side, I'm going to recommend something from Socket first. Socket, or Time Dominator as it was known outside the US, 
which is a way better name, was one of the era's many Sonic clones, and aside from interesting visual design and kickin' tunes, there's not a whole lot noteworthy about it. While the whole OST is great, Olean Cavern is a personal favorite. There's just something about the Genesis sound chip and rocking bass lines, and this track puts the bass front and center right where it belongs. Yes, Mike. I agree with all of that. Baseline, front and center, Genesis, sound chip. I could listen to this song all day, and in fact, I kind of was before, before we filmed this. I was listening to this on repeat. It is so good. Yeah, it's, it's great. By the way, um, this is something I've thought about talking about before, but just Actually, didn't really we, have an excuse. We did talk to do about it. it. Oh, teenagers. We talked Without about Attitude? it once, but that part of the conversation got cut out. Oh. For the patrons listening, we don't really cut that much out of the podcast. But sometimes, if we kind of come to a conclusion and then we backtrack, sometimes it messes with the flow, and we'll cut out the backtracking. We just tweak things a little bit. And one of the things that was on the cutting room floor was what you are going to talk about now. So well, this is really interesting. Bring it all together. Yeah, look, I wanted to do a little segment one day where I just talked about other podcasts I really liked. Um, you know, just because there's not just the Legacy Music Hour, but there's a bunch of other uh, podcasts that I'm really into or I find inspirational uh, in making this podcast. And this mic who recommended this is from one of my favorite podcasts right now. It's called Teenagers with Attitude. And it's a podcast where they rewatch uh, old Power Ranger episodes and then talk about it. And uh, great idea. Here's the funny thing about it, actually. You know, each uh, episode of Power Rangers is like 24 minutes long or something like that. But each episode of this show is like two hours long, and they're right. just going over the details of the show. Power Rangers is a way weirder show than you might remember it being, and some of it just has to do with probably sloppy writing or something like that. But I don't, I don't know what it is. Just with some kid shows, just what actually is happening on screen is so insane and incongruous that it's really fun to watch and it's fun to listen to these guys talk about it. Well, sometimes you have messaged me, not on business hours, away mm. from work, and you'll say, I just watched an episode of the Power Rangers, but now I have to invest two or three hours in the podcast, and I love it, but oh, it's yeah. such a commitment. It is. That's a commitment. That's like going to a once a week full-length graduate class oh yeah and think if you're trying to catch up with the show and do more than one episode a week that's like wow. six hours yeah um but it's pretty addictive i've been meaning to look into it i do really like this i really like revisiting childhood things as an adult and listening to the new perspectives that people have on it because of that and there's also something really cool i think about watching the episode and then kind of doing the the homework or the mm. the class period it's like it's almost it, that's what it is it's like reading a book you know for homework and then going to class and discussing it oh and yeah getting all these new insights from it so that appeals to me greatly yeah yeah you, you, can i ask just a basic question about this podcast though yes please 
So how many people and do they specialize in a particular facet that they each kind of focus on? Or is it just a group of people, they watch it and they talk? It's like one of the guys, um, the host of the show is always trying to talk, move on to the next scene. Um, And I think Mike is actually one of the guys who, who his specialty seems to be well, you forgot to mention this one thing about the scene ah. or whatever. <laughs> and then there's a, about three other guys who just make funnies and uh, weird theories about how the Morphin Grid works, um, <laughs> weird theories about who the Rangers are, like mm-hmm. on their off hours or whatever. Who built the robot? Yeah. And they're definitely a part of like the. I think otaku subculture. I think, you know, the actual the, characters. No, or no, 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 the, the hosts, the people in the sub in the group. You know, ah, okay. I feel like um, they're very knowledgeable about like o- otaku stuff or just like n- crazy nerdy stuff and like have t- Tumblr accounts with um, different, you know, interests, very right. deep cut interests, and they know a lot about like uh, fetishes. <laughs> What's interesting? Interesting. Yeah. What's interesting is um, they're actually very sensitive to LGBT issues. <clears throat> oh, and great. Feminism issues. So, you know, it. I, I think it's probably it would be tough for them for any group of guys to get together, watch the Power Rangers, and not talk about, you know, how great Kimberly and Trini looked. Uh, right. Or how how much their desire was driven by, you know, the physicality of these people. But they do a great job of it on Teenagers with Attitude of being uh, very sex positive, I guess, but not being, uh, but also being very careful not to be inappropriate. It's, right. They're actually really good at that. And for that reason, also, I might recommend the show. Good job, guys. I actually, um, something I can use from that conversation to tie in with, I guess, what's becoming our theme is uh so the two women mm-hmm. power rangers i watched uh og power rangers and then at the end of the first series or season i believe that's what it was trini and a couple of other characters left to go to some world summit mm-hmm. or something and do political activism in the world and when trini left i was like all right i don't care anymore because oh, i yeah. loved trini so much the yellow ranger she was my favorite And here's the thing that I want to bring up also about growing up as a girl. So most girls growing up really loved the Pink Ranger because, you know, she was Kimberly and she was pink and she had a little skirt on. And of course, we know now as adults that uh, that was the only girl in the original Japanese footage, correct? The Yellow Ranger was a boy? Right. Or a man? Okay. So I thought Trini was super cool because she was not... A pink ranger and here's why i want to bring this also up. she's I want to bring... not wearing a skirt right right and this is what i want to bring up because this is something i struggle with the fact that this was a part of my childhood but i want to be honest about this because i think that this needs to be kind of uh addressed and put out there so when i was a little girl stereotypical girly things did not really appeal to me and you can have all kinds of theories as to why this is true I think that probably the biggest factor is that I had an older brother and he was four and a half years older than I was. And so 
When I was very little and I had no sphere of influence outside of my family, I was really just being exposed to what he was interested in. And so I picked from those things what I liked. So mm -hmm. he was into baseball. I wasn't into baseball. He was into Ninja Turtles. I was into Ninja Turtles. So I just think that's interesting because I wasn't out in the greater world and I wasn't getting any societal messages that maybe I shouldn't be interested in these things, mm. if that makes sense. So kind of put that in the back of your mind for the moment. Put it on the back burner. Yeah. So when I then got out into the world and I saw all these commercials and I met other children, boys and girls, who kind of made it clear that there was a prescribed way that girls should behave or prescribed items that girls should be interested in. This confused me and I resented it because no, I didn't want everything to be pink. No, I didn't want to be wearing a skirt all the time. I like digging in the dirt, you know? Mm -hmm. But um, the unfortunate thing, and I hope this is interesting to somebody, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. The unfortunate thing is that I missed the conclusion that I should have come to. The conclusion I should have come to was, I'm a girl, I'm not interested in those things, therefore there is no girl personality type. There obviously must be all different kinds of girls. Mm -hmm. um, but the conclusion that I came to was that either all girls were like this and I was different and special because of it and therefore sort of somehow better, oh. or that more girls would be like me, but they'd been kind of brainwashed by the media. Mm. So both of these conclusions are terrible because both of these put down the girls. Um, but that makes me really sad that I, that I kind of felt that way and that I didn't realize that girl characters in TV shows who were not interesting, it wasn't like their fault that they were girls. Their not being interesting had nothing to do with the fact that they were girls. It was that the writers didn't write them well. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, this is sort of a big, a big thing. But so basically, you know, I came to the wrong conclusion and sort of felt like, no, I'm not really a girly girl. And girly girl stuff is stupid. And everything's pink. Blah. And that's sad because also, by the way, there's nothing wrong with playing with dolls. That's the other thing. It's making fun of the stuff that girls are into. Action figures or dolls, guys. It's just a different word so that, you know, little boys don't feel bad about playing with dolls. Yeah, I mean, I wonder though if there is, and I think there might be some innate difference between boys and girls or men and mm -hmm. women. Um, and but you know, of course, there's the whole spectrum of and variety of things that you, uh, either would be interested in, and the idea that you should be prescribed that list of things is weird. But I do think there's some things that maybe boys gravitate towards somewhat naturally without too much pressure mm -hmm. like I do think boys for some reason like trains mm. and uh, you know maybe that has something to do with their orientation mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> another thing I actually have a lot I want to talk to talk about but I do want to go back to one thing that we said over the first song which is the idea of um, how, did I play with the idea that I was uh, that I was the character in the game, or did I play oh, yeah. like I was myself, being represented through the character? And I don't really know the answer to that, but I will say this: there was a point, and I think Golden Axe is responsible, where I became very comfortable and 
interested in being the girl character in the game. Interesting. The reason Golden Axe um, created that tendency, or the reason that you'd want to be the girl in Golden Axe. What's her name? It's not Blaze. Tyrus Flair. Um, the reason you'd want to be her is because she's the only one who can summon the dragon. Oh, that's awesome! So you want to be good yeah. at her because she has the best magic, you know? Yeah. So very early on, I, I was kind of like, well, I guess I'll do this, you know, whatever, because I want to be, I want to get the dragon. And then I just got kind of into it. And then um, yeah. I would be, like, I like to be Blaze a lot in Streets of Rage now. Um, yeah. <clears throat> and I don't know what that means probably nothing i think i'm still trying to save a girl in the end probably but no but that's but i'm like doing cool. it for my friends right and there's something there's there's a lot there's a lot to that i think i think that um i don't know i think that's awesome that you got over the the cootie fear or <laughs> thinking that it somehow indicated something bad about you to be playing as a as a female character I tend to play female characters when they're available because it's a novelty and it's cool for me. I usually like them because they're faster. It's just the right. function that they often give to the female characters, and uh, it's kind of fun to play the game faster, I think, than everybody else. So, right. I don't know. Anyways. All right, I'm making a note because I want to come back to that, but we should move on. Yes, let's. All right. That song such a jam oh, mike yeah. i'm sorry we completely talked over that track but wow did that track make it great i think i was just kind of rocking in time to it the entire time all right next track the patron is capsule j the game is runbow the composers are dan rodriguez and dave proctor the console is the wii u and we did something kind of fun for this the track titles on this uh ost are really interesting so i said josh pick the track title that appeals to you the most and we'll go with that one so he picked mama loves runbow yeah so that's what we're going to be listening to mama loves runbow capsule j wii u here we go
Capsule J says, The over-the-top score of this game perfectly suits the chaotic and often punishingly difficult gameplay. These boisterous cartoony jams do a great job of transforming, transforming what would normally be frustratingly frequent character deaths into goofy slapstick comedy. On top of that, this game had some of my family members up off their feet and dancing, even on the menu screen. Oh yeah. This is <laughs> so salsa. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. What I really like about this is the blending of all these sort of traditional instruments with that kind of dance backbeat. Oh yeah, it has the synth bass going on. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Really interesting. Really interesting mix. Yeah, it's hard. I had not heard about this game yet, had you? No, I've never heard of this game. There's so many video games that I haven't heard of, <laughs> especially these these new ones and these indie ones. That's why I do this show, so people tell me what games there are. Yeah, so we can stay in the know. It is hard to talk over this song. I feel like this is made for dancing. Yeah. And I'm into that. I'm into anybody who plays a video game and gets up and dances. Because I do this all the time. Even on menu screens. Sometimes menu screens have the best music. Maybe we should do a menu screen focus someday. <laughs> that might be kind of interesting. Oh yeah, that, that would be cool. Option screens or menu screens? Wait, are those uh, the same? Well, maybe, maybe both. Alright. So, hey patrons, we can just put the call out there right now. If you've got any menu screens or option screens that you think are super jams, well, they don't have to be jams, but you know what I'm saying. Send them in, because that might be kind of fun to do a little a little focus on those. Do you find this so distracting that you cannot talk over it? I think I can. I'm collecting my thoughts. They're all over the floor, but I'm putting them back together. <laughs> <clears throat> I'm uh, assembling this puzzleage. So, what do you think, though, uh, Emily? Do you think that there is any innate difference between men and women? Or male and female? Loaded question. I will say this. I tend to be on the nurture side more than nature side of things. I think that people mm -hmm. are profoundly influenced by context and culture. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I don't know that I would put a hard number on it or a hard percentage on it. But, um, you know, kind of going, going along with my personal experience of growing up with my brother and getting into all of my, my brother's things or picking and choosing. It's not like I blindly was interested in everything that he was interested in. Um, but I'm just very grateful that I was exposed to things that I wouldn't have been exposed to otherwise if there hadn't been a boy child in the house. Mm -hmm. Even the whole video game thing. We talked about this on the uh, special stage episode way back when. That uh, the reason why we got a console, a video game console in my household, was for my brother. You know, and I just happened to be living in that house, and then I was the one who got into video games. And actually, my brother has not touched a video game, I believe, since 93. Like, he's not played anything. He does not like video games. Oh, and yeah. uh, I was the one who took off with them, so that was a very happy coincidence. Well, wouldn't that suggest that there's something in your nature, you know, that's different? Uh, not just your socialization? Uh, the fact that you would be 
raised in a similar environment, but one of them, one of you would continue on with this passion of playing video games and the other would not, you know, um, true. No, that's true. I just don't necessarily believe personally. And again, this is just my opinion that it's tied to gender necessarily. I think that my brother and I are different people. Yeah. You know, well, um, how about this? I agree with how you about it? that uh, culture does, of course, profoundly affect the individual. But I think culture may be also a way to amplify biological needs and maybe biological differences. You know, so mm -hmm. uh, it's interesting that you use the word nurture because when you said nurture, I was thinking that you were going to say that you thought that women maybe had a natural need to nurture or something like that. And I wouldn't say that that's across the board or anything like right. that, but wouldn't there be a biological reality in suggesting that women are programmed to nurture since they're also the ones biologically capable of nurturing? Because they produce the child. And they produce the food for the, for the right. child. The baby child. Well, it's interesting. I mean, it's so interesting. And these are, I just love talking about these things because I do find these topics really interesting. The thing that I always come back to is the fact that I don't fit a lot of this stuff. So I don't really feel comfortable generalizing women mm. or, or men. And I don't feel comfortable. I don't know what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is. It's easier for me to say, well, not all women are like that because I'm like this, mm -hmm. or I know a friend who's like this. And I think that there is value to pointing out the deviations from what seems to be the pattern. That's not necessarily um, discounting a general pattern, but I think that it's important to, to know that maybe the pattern is not as entrenched or as universal as people think. Yeah, and it could express itself even if it is uh, there could express itself in a myriad of ways. Right. Yeah. Things are complicated. I mean, I personally have no interest in raising a child. I don't, I'm lacking maternal instinct for human babies. This is just a true thing. I've seen this because I will be in groups with other women. So I guess this would go towards your, you know, perhaps a woman is more likely to be nurturing of a human baby than not. But, you know, people will bring their babies into work or their grandchildren into work. And my other coworkers who are women react to this child very differently than I do. Uh -huh. But they've also had children. Mm. So there's that too. Mm. So maybe it's just the familiarity of having had a child to know how to interact with it. I'm afraid I'm going to break it. I don't know how to hold it. Yeah, so. that's a good, yeah, that's a good observation. I don't know. You know, I would say a lot of that response to uh, to the concept of children or somebody else's child may be very social may, right very socialized but i'd still wonder what would happen to you saying that you don't have a maternal instinct what would happen to you if you just had a child you know would, well i would love that child i can tell you right now yeah you i would i would adapt i would adapt i think something might change right well, a lot of things would change, especially if that baby came out of me. Mm. There'd be a lot of changes. And also this fat beat. 
would change. I don't know. Shall we move on? Yeah, we can move on. All right. This next song was recommended by Zach. 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 Oh, yeah. The game is Neverhood. The track is The Claim and Shuffle. It is composed by Terry Scott Taylor for the PC. Pointing and clicking my way around the neverhood was amazing, even if my parents' circa 1995 computer could barely handle it. <laughs> if you've never had the pleasure, the neverhood was a humorous, third-person, point-and-click, puzzle-adventure game completely made from stop-motion claymation. And with this music, it was the first recorded acoustic video game music I had ever heard. And yet, to me anyway, it's so perfectly still video game music. He also has a postscript. Klezmer meets Danny Elfman. Best description ever. That is exactly what this is. Who's Klezmer? Oh, Klezmer is a type of music. Oh. It's, um, it's Jewish music. I don't know oh. how else to describe it, but um, clarinets, fast-paced, kind of polka type. Cool. You'd know it if you heard it for sure. Ah, oh, those clarinets. Yeah, it does sound like Danny Elfman. It really does. What's funny about this game is um, I've seen pictures of the character, but I never knew what it was from. And then I looked this game up and I went, oh. What is I love those moments. Thanks, patrons. What does he look like in the Neverhood or whatever? Um, he reminds me of Earthworm Jim a little bit, oh. actually. He just has a long skinny head and kind of a big body. Oh, scary. Yeah, it's very weird. Some people were like really obsessed with this idea. I forgot what it was called. I'll try to remember by the next break. Of, but of some monster with a small head or a, a flat skinny head or something. 
And they were like really recent? creeped out by it. It was my students. Is this like a new urban legend? Maybe. I don't, I don't remember. I'll try to figure that out. Huh. Um, speaking of creepy things, though, <laughs> the Ghostbusters are going to be calling, or we're going to be calling them pretty That's soon. That's right. Coming to theaters. Yep. And uh, I was very excited about the cast, and I even liked the trailer. And then all of a sudden I found out, like, everybody hates the trailer or something? I guess. Do they... The internet explodes for a lot of reasons, and sometimes I get confused. Okay, here's what I'll say about that. I thought I think people are insane for thinking <laughs> that that trailer doesn't look good. Uh, to me, it looks fine. I, but yeah, I, I'm going to get so much flack for saying that. But I do like SNL these days, so everybody on that is funny yeah. to me. Um, yeah. I like their little moments. Um, but I will say this. I, even though I think a lot of the reaction against the movie is sexist, probably, or something, because it just seems so unreasonably... Uh, voluminous and bombastic. Um, Ooh, good words, Josh. Uh, Bringing the vocabulary today. Sorry. Uh, even though... Oh, yeah, I don't think... I think it's weird. I, I was kind of imagining, like, well, what if they took a property that I loved more than the Ghostbusters and made them all girls or women? And... I don't like the idea of uh, female Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I think oh, that specifically... please, let's talk about this. Yeah. Because you're aware there is a female Ninja Turtle, right? Yeah. Milo. And I hate her. Okay, so here's the thing. Again, going back to my earlier conversation about disliking female characters, but blaming the female character herself or her femaleness uh-huh. for it, as if girl is some kind of personality type, which it's not. I did not like Venus de Milo. Yeah. And what I didn't realize at the time was they wrote her in a very stereotypical female way. And by that, I mean, of course she has magic powers and isn't really a ninja. Why couldn't she have just been a ninja? But no... The female characters typically have the MP, they have the spiritual powers, they have the power of heart, uh-huh. and all of that. Even though in uh, in Captain Planet, it's not a woman who has the power of heart, amazingly, which was fantastic. But that was just another uh, missed opportunity in my childhood to actually learn something and realize that it wasn't Venus de Milo's fault, it was the way she was being written. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, well... I don't know. I was going to say, I think an all-female cast of the Ninja Turtles would be cool. But I think that Venus de Milo also suffered from uh, the problem of the... the. Do you know her black, her backstory at all? Um, I forgot. No, I don't She's know. from... Uh, what the heck? Was that, what was that TV show called, by the way? If, if patrons aren't aware, there was a live-action Ninja Turtles well, show called sometime around... The Next around, Mutation. Or the something. Next Mutation, yeah. thank you. Sometime around the 2000s. And I was so excited because I love the Ninja Turtle movies and I love the, the live action stuff. And I thought it was going to be great. And it was kind of, the quality was a bit subpar. Um, but her backstory is that, oh, actually there were five turtles. 
and she got separated from the other four, and she was raised in Japan in the mysterious ways of Japan, oh, yeah. and now she's back. Yeah. And that I did resent. I do not like it when stories, and again, that's not her fault. That's lazy writing of saying, well, actually, everything that you thought was wrong, there was a fifth turtle this whole time. You know, that I'm not really a fan of. And I can give other examples, too, in comic books where it's like, well, actually, even though we refer to that character by this name, that's not really their name, but we're going to come up with some in-universe reason for why they used that earlier name. Don't, don't do that. Just admit that it was a comic book and you called the character by the wrong name. Big whoop. Hmm. That might be slightly off topic. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Well, actually, yeah. I don't like retconning very much mm. in cheesy ways for no reason. Just make a fifth turtle. Give her a new story. I'm she kinda, doesn't have to be one of the four. I'm kind of okay with her having been there as one of the four. What I didn't like about the the story you just told was the idea that she had a alternative um, path to... Uh, becoming Asian or something like that. Like she right. has to be Asian because they're right. Ninja Turtles or something. And it makes sense that the four Ninja Turtles would be Japanese because they were raised by a Japanese guy. But right. the idea that she would gain powers from the same Oriental source or whatever is dumb. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably interesting for you. I would have liked it. You know, what if she was just... Um, Growing up in the city without any ninja powers whatsoever, yeah. and um, just trying to make it as a freak. Yeah, yeah. That's why X Men is so cool, because X Men just comes up with infinite iterations of what it's like to be a freak in all the different ways that these people try to survive, either by hiding it or by joining the circus or mm -hmm. whatever, just trying to get by. But anyway, I do actually wonder if I if I were to go back and watch the next mutation, if I would have the same uh, disdain for Venus de Milo. I don't think that I would because I'm over that now. I'm not that little girl who's like, I'm not really a girl anymore. <laughs> oh, I'm so embarrassed you know that what? I really bought that line. I mean, I really feel like that was... I know I was a kid and I should forgive myself, but I feel like that was a, a personal failing mm. and it's sad. So I just want to put it out there to everybody girl is not a personality type don't hate on girl stuff because it's fine if they want to play with dolls because you're doing it too anyway if you're a guy <laughs> and be aware of the writing behind it it's always the writers it's not the character you know i don't like watching next mutation i don't it's not just because of her it's like everything about that show is ugly to me but yeah if somebody did a rewatch of it or maybe if you did a rewatch show of it like they do with You'd watch me teenagers it. with attitude then maybe i would you know i would have to have you watched it recently i watched it i don't know a couple years ago on netflix and uh, no i huh. hated it i think i only just watched some clips on youtube recently i'm recently being being within the last few years and the thing that really struck me that i didn't remember was wow michelangelo was creeping on venus de milo all the time it was like really that's upsetting to me now mm. as an adult yeah. that they would write that character that way because that's swinging it into your camp as the representative dude among us and yeah. writing him lazily as the kind of you know gross buffoon character 
It's not cool when it happens to anybody, basically. I think it's kind of like that in the new movies or something right here. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. A lot of it. Still gonna go watch it, though. All right, no, next track. No, no, no. You gotta watch the Nickelodeon show. Watch I that. do! You I do! Watch that one. Turtles Junkie. Anyways. I, I will in, I will absorb all, all Turtles sources. You gotta get into that sources. one. All right. This next track, though, was recommended by Lil... Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Oops, hey, sorry. You're, you're stepping all over me here. Zoik. Back off, or something. Some. I was gonna say you're stepping all over me, but you're the one leading this party. Um, because it is your powers. turn, though. Yes, thank this you. This is a turn-based <laughs> RPG, and it is <laughs> your turn. That's perfect. Okay. Um, patron super kicks all day long once again. Recommended a track from the game Titan Warriors. This is the ending credits. The composer is Harumi Fujita, who was. Uh, credited as Mrs. Terumi, and I had to figure out who that was. And it's for the NES. This was an unreleased 1988 prototype game from Capcom, but the ending credits track is one of the more emotional NES tunes I've heard. There's a warbling sadness to it, and I can't help but feeling that somehow I failed my mission and people died. Yikes. Mm. It's nice. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's, it's touching, actually. It is very emotional. Wow, and this game never came out, huh? No. Wow. Some other game came out that was entitled Titan Warriors, but it's not this one. Oh, this is almost like the sadness of never coming to be. <laughs> it is. Can you imagine what that would be like to be a composer and have potentially... If composers do compose for the particular game in front of them, and they're not just kind of locking down tracks that get distributed wherever, mm -hmm. imagine putting all that work into it. I mean, the soundtrack is complete, and then it never comes out. And then what happens to your work? Does the company own it? Can you reuse it in a different game? Does it just get buried forever? I don't know, yeah. <laughs> it was so, the way I was saying that was so unintentionally dramatic. I think it was motivated <laughs> by the music underneath. Yeah. Is it just buried forever? 
So look, this is gonna sound dumb, Emily, but I wanna do this thought exercise. Okay. So we thought about Double Dragon, right? Uh -huh. uh, as being this, as having like masculine motivations. Right. You gotta go get the girl. Mario Brothers, the same way. You gotta go somewhere, get the girl. Gradius Zelda. is not, doesn't have a story or whatever, but it's kind of oriented uh, in a masculine way where you are this um, spaceship and you're moving, always moving for, always being propelled forward, trying to destroy things and get through things, you know? So mm -hmm. you might see that as having a, uh, a phallic element to it or something like that. Mm -hmm. Well, what what would it be like if we made games with more um, feminine motivations? Are you and asking also how me, sexist or do you is, have some ideas? Uh, you know, I do have some ideas. But can I answer? Can I answer seriously first? Yeah, yeah, please. I do want to say that one of the greatest things about the Mass Effect series, for those of you who have played the Mass Effect games, mm -hmm. is that. You choose whether you're going to be female shepherd or male shepherd, and the story is almost the same. And I love that. The dialogue doesn't change except that people call me ma'am instead of sir. Uh -huh. There maybe are like a few little pieces of dialogue that are slightly different, but it is so slight. It's not like they reimagined the character. Like, what would a commander be like if she were a woman, and what would that be like? It's just mm. she is shepherd, and I love that so much. That it's the same. All right. There's one guy who makes a sexist remark at one point, and I just end the conversation in open fire. <laughs> well, think sure. Well, let's think about this. There is a, like you said, this was sort of a reverse gendered Zelda coming out or something like that. Right. I don't remember how this fits into the, the greater story, but I do know there is a female Link. Is female Link Lincoln. trying to save a male Zelda? I have no idea. I mean, I think people were talking about whether or not that is what's really happening. I don't even know if it's like you get to choose which Link you want to be. But wouldn't it be kind of cool if the way that she went about doing it wasn't by cutting everything open with the sword? And like shooting bows and arrows and things? I mean, I know, yes, it would... It's cool to imagine that girls are the same as boys, but what if they're like not? But that doesn't mean one's better than the other, but it means right. that their orientation to the world might be different. And instead of just reversing the sex of everything in order to try to equalize things, actually try to imagine alternate perspectives maybe you don't have this perspective because you're like right. a special girl right. or something you know no no <laughs> and I'm maybe just, i don't even I'm have the masculine a perspective because i'm a special boy you know right but um i've been you know conveniently <clears throat> cisgendered so i so all these uh ways i've been socialized have just been conveniently they just fit yeah whatever yeah. But no, I think that's I think that's cool to uh, you know imagine different stories for the different characters. But again, I think I just personally dislike the idea of tying all of those differences down to gender. 
Oh, yeah, let's not tie it down to gender or sex or anything like that, but just to imagine that things have been created based on a specific orientation towards the world, which is like this destroy and conquer, get through, get to the end, when uh, maybe there's a whole other perspective. You know, like, um, I noticed growing up that a lot of girls and women said they liked Tetris. Like, I could get any of my friends who were girls to just pick up Tetris and play it for a while. But I'd have a harder time to get them to play something else. Right. Do you think Tetris might have a uh, feminine orientation? Ugh. That can't be answered succinctly. I will say this about that. All right. I read a book a couple years ago. It was published in the 90s, so it's a little bit out of date at this point. But it's entitled From Barbie to Mortal Kombat. Mm. And it's a bunch of studies that were done comparing boys and girls um, in terms of how they interacted with video games and their aptitudes and their interests. And also interviews with uh, very high up people in Mattel, in Sega, mm-hmm. um, and it was just really interesting. And one of the things that they did talk about was that, um, or one of the things that some of the studies purported to prove was that boys and girls did not have different aptitudes for computer games or video games, but that girls were much more hesitant to start. Uh-huh. So if you had if you had a room with computers, the boys would run up to the computers and start using them. The girls would kind of like hang back a little bit. Mm. And that over time, the more they hang back, the more, not damaging, but the more it pushes them down the path of not being interested in that and being unfamiliar with it and therefore not wanting to to pick it up. So I don't know if maybe Tetris is just, um, it overcomes those sorts of hesitations that little girls have to start with because it's not it's not a loaded experience it's just a game Mm. without any kind of does that make any sense it kind of does but then at the same time i don't think all the details of your story would add up to that because it it didn't sound like the computer games were or the computer itself was gendered you know it sounded like the boys were just interested in figuring out this uh, system or whatever right, of getting true. involved with this uh, with the circuitry of it or whatever you know right right um, and that's true it did that was that um, particular example was more about familiarity mm. that like oh, okay. boys are exposed to that stuff they've you know used uh, they understand what a video game controller is mm-hmm. this is something that's that I think about sometimes is at some point you had to learn how to use a video game controller and boys are in a culture that encourages that for them and girls are not necessarily or at least maybe they weren't at some point and so the longer you spend avoiding it it just kind of compounds towards a future where you are more and more reluctant to get started because there's so much that you don't know does that make sense sure maybe i'm not answering your question at all anymore well that's okay um I, i i think one of the things that i think about um you know, a lot of feminists, like very strong feminists, I think they believe that mo- all, almost all of the 
things that one becomes interested in that's gendered, it's all just been socialized and like forced on the individual or whatever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or the society is pursuing the individual to become one thing or another. Mm -hmm. And that it works, whatever, 95% of the time, the boy just got tricked into liking G.I. Joe's or something like that. Right. But I actually wonder about that. I don't, I kind of don't think that corporations have that much power over the uh, the tastes of the individual, even a kid. You know, I do think kids want guns. I mean, boys want guns because they're dealing with um, this thing <laughs> that shoots, you know, that sticks right. out from their legs and shoots. And they're kind of like <laughs> thinking of what that what that means or really? something like that. I don't know if they really think this. I think they're dealing with the with the concept of of it. Yeah, in a way, huh. maybe. Because uh, this is a perspective that I don't have, so that's interesting to me that that connection would be made. <laughs> you should read the book. Well, I don't want to say you should, no, I, I but will, yeah. you might enjoy reading the book because they do address the idea of, um, you know, because people will claim, well, well, because it's true. Mm -hmm. We did you know study groups where we found out what girls were interested in and that's how we determined that our boxes should be pink and we should be selling this kind of toy mm -hmm. but there is a question of at what point does the kid already know what they're supposed to be into because even apparently babies kind of understand where they fall in uh yeah in, in gender ways so can you actually get a response from a child as to what they're interested in before they have been reached by these messages that are pushing them in a particular way. That's sort of interesting. And I, my thesis was actually about the color pink and how oh, yeah? the concept of uh, pink being feminine gets translated across culture. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the things that I read, and I don't have the source, maybe I'll find the source and put it in the blog post or something. Um, but there was this, they're, they're talking about how actually a lot of people from the 60s and 70s who had children in the 60s and 70s raised their kids very gender neutral. They were actually more progressive. And, oh, but, that's interesting. But then the following generation had like a hard swing back towards gender, towards gendered huh. uh, things. And some suspect that it's because suddenly with the ultrasound becoming available, now they wanted to gender the uh, baby showers and they wanted to oh, gender the birth. Oh, that is so interesting. But also, so again, yeah. oh, go ahead. But also no, there might ahead. just be the, the kids resisting or the kids being attracted to gender, you know, without really being pushed to it. Right. Yeah. Anyways. Let me say two things about that. Because that's very, that's a really interesting, I never thought about that before. Um, and again, this is all just from my personal experience. Mm -hmm. uh, my parents did not find out what gender or what sex my brother and I were going to be when we were not yet born. So we did not have gendered baby showers. Our rooms were not gendered in any way. Mm. My brother's room was green and mine was yellow. Um, so I just think that's interesting that here I am being the way that I am mm -hmm. and you bring up this idea of not knowing the uh, sex of the child before it's born yeah then the other thing i was gonna say i've lost my train of thought now 
and I don't know if I can get it back. That's okay. You have time. Let's move on to the next track, and okay, I'll let I'll you try get to your remember. train of thought back. This my is... train. My train. Little boys are interested in <laughs> trains. Yep. Train of thought. Go and, ahead. And we're also a little interested in Super Mario Land 2, Six Golden Coins. This track was recommended by Lil Surf and Turf. Uh, the song is called Star Maze, the composer Kazumi Totaka. And this was for the Game Boy. <laughs> Surf and Turf writes, No huge life story here, just a great track. I played through this game from start to finish many times on my old brick of a Game Boy, and this track from the secret Space Zone has always stuck in mind. Something about the lead synth line is so emotive to me. It feels intrepid and bold, but also bittersweet and introspective. I'm not going to use the word nostalgia, but it's just one of those tracks for me that is loaded with the good stuff. Hope some fellow <laughs> patrons enjoy it too. Cheers. <laughs> it's a great testimonial. Yeah, this song's a jam. Lil Surf and Turf, this was also a personal favorite of mine. I've never heard this song. It's, well, it's really so cool. Yeah. I can't remember if this level auto-scrolls or not. I do remember uh, thinking as a kid that, wow, space zones just have the best kind of music, right? Because there was the DuckTales space theme. There was this space theme. Starlight Zone. Mm. But I may be conflating this one with DuckTales because I believe the DuckTales level is definitely auto-scrolling. Anyway, not interesting. Man, there's so many things that we want to talk about. I do want to talk about something specifically with this track, though. Okay. So the internet forum that I hang out on, uh, racketboy.com, does a thing every summer called the Summer Games Challenge. And the Summer Games Challenge is not an official thing. It's just something that people do for the fun of it. And the idea is to pick 10 very classic, classic games that you've never played or beaten, either or. Um, and try to beat 10, try to get through 10 of them before the summer's up. And Super Mario Land 2, Six Golden Coins, is actually one of the games on my list. It's mm -hmm. one of the 10. Because oh, okay. I own it, and I've gotten to the final castle as a kid, but I've just 
never been able to get through it, so I'm filled with determination this summer, and I will be getting through this game, so. Speaking of your other goals, uh, you also told me that you're recently trying to put the Triforce together. Yep. I have put the Triforce together, the, actually. The whole Triforce? Yes. Oh, wait, you... Well, the, tri you... the Triforce of Wisdom. Oh, got it. So, uh, the first game on my summer challenge, you don't have to do it in any order, mm -hmm. but I really felt like this was necessary to mm -hmm. do and get done, was to play the original Legend of Zelda for the Nintendo Entertainment System. Nice. Because I had it as a kid a little bit later, and I gotta be honest with you, I hated it. I did not enjoy it when I was a kid, mm -hmm. and the reason is because... I believe this was the first Zelda game I'd ever touched, so I didn't understand the now standard tropes mm. like burning foliage and bombing walls and all that kind of stuff. So I, I was so lost, and I didn't draw my own map. I didn't have a manual. I mean, mm. I really had things stacked against me, and it just was tedious and aggravating. So this time, I sat down, and I did it right. I got my sketch pad out. I drew a terrible map but it gets the job done. Awesome. <laughs> so I have all the pieces of the Triforce. I just have to um, <clears throat> be a little bit more thorough in my exploration of Dungeon 8, uh, and then it's on to Dungeon 9. I like and, that uh, you are not using a strategy guide, right? No, I will say... So the thing with the Summer Games Challenge is, you know, there's a thread for it on the forum, and people just discuss what they're doing. It's really fun to just see people talking about the games that they're playing and where they are and how they've been feeling about it. So there were a couple times that I kind of wrote in and I was like, I'm frustrated by this and I can't, I don't know what to do. And some people gave me like a little helpful nudge in a particular direction. And, um, and I like that because that simulates what it was like when we were kids and you would go to school and during recess, you would say to someone, I can't figure this out. I'm stuck in Dungeon 7. Mm -hmm. And someone would say, did you bomb all the walls? And then you'd go home and you'd figure it out. So I love that. I love that kind of uh, recapturing of what it was like to be playing these games with a whole bunch of people at the same time. Oh, okay. In life, in real time. All right. All right. I got to stop you for a second. Okay. First of all... You got to upload your maps. I want to see these maps. They... They're so bad. Hey, I just want to see it. Also, okay. I want to put it out there to the patron. Patron, do you have any maps that you drew? Especially for Zelda? Did your mom keep any of your maps? Uh, please tag us on Twitter. Upload yeah. it to the Facebook. Or give us a link on the, uh, on the blog. I... Would love to see some hand-drawn Zelda maps or any kind of map. Um, I'm glad that you're getting some help, but not too much help in regards to Zelda and also Super Metroid. I didn't beat those games. I have them, but I like got stuck, and then I let a friend kind of help me out. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I let a friend help me out, I just don't want to play it anymore. Aww. I'm just like, okay, great. So I, I, well, that's the thing, right? You yeah. have to get someone, and you have been that person for me. This is making me sound like I'm bad at games, but you no. know what? Even if I'm bad at games, that doesn't matter because I'm having a good time. But, uh, you know, <laughs> patrons... <laughs> but you have that competitive spirit, though. I do. But patrons, um, I was recently playing Super Mario Bros. 3, mm -hmm. and I was stuck in the final castle, and so 
I appealed to Josh and I said, Josh, can you look it up? Can you not tell me the answer, but can you kind of give me a hint? That's what you need. You need a wing person who will actually look at the strategy guide and find the answer and then have them kind of push you until you can, you know, uh -oh. make the connection. Uh -huh. So I appreciate that you did that. So we got through Super Mario Brothers 3 together that day while you were grading papers. Yeah. That was a good time. That was fun. All right. Well, um, since I'm the leader today, I'm going to choose my own song to listen right. to. Woohoo. And uh, what, I'm, what I'll listen to is a song from, <coughs> excuse me, Battle Golfer Yui, composed by Nakachan, Sai, Kentakun, Yada, Maruchan wa Omota, Kyopporidang. And it's for the Genesis. Those are a lot of nicknames that they're giving <laughs> yeah. each other. Um, anyways, the song is called Rest in Peace. So what I really like about this track, Rest in Peace, is just the way that um, it really wails. It sounds very passionate when it gets to that middle section. Um, it really, uh, con yeah, it conveys to me that somebody's getting really emotional right there. Yeah, like the that. soloist is getting really emotional. Yeah, it almost sounds like a, a voice. It sounds like it's singing to me, even more <laughs> than it's just like playing to me. I don't know. I can see that. What's it saying to you? Every summer day. I don't know. It's sad. You know. It misses you, I think. I feel like this track misses you. Yeah. Well, I guess it's about somebody dying. It's called... I guess. It's called Rest in Peace. So. In the middle of some heated battlefield of golf. What's with these battle 
sports games. <laughs> Fighting golf, battle golf for Yui. That's what's called gendering. No, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> These are boy games. Yeah, how come it's not um, <clears throat> to be a semi-sexist? How come it's not just having fun? Or, you know, just for fun golf. Or like... Social golf. Battle Baker Yui. Well... I think those games exist, though. Wait, Battle Baker? Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, because... It's called Chopped on the Food Network. Yeah. I don't know. I'm going to stop saying stuff about that. <laughs> um, because what do I know? I only know what it's like to be a, a boy. You know? Right. I only know what it's like to be I, I, a girl. I actually don't even know what it's like to be a boy. I just know what it's like to be me. Right. You know, That's the whole guy. point. That's, that is what I think the point is. But neither of us know what it's like to be the haunted jukebox. Um, but I think he's trying to tell us something. Yeah? Hey, little guy. Hmm. <laughs> um, oh, you want to play a song? It looks like he wants to play a song. All right, we can do that. So maybe we're gonna learn about. Uh, maybe he's trying to tell something about himself with this. Uh, what, with this. Track. What life is like as a jukebox? Yeah, but it can't be expressed in words, only in music. The song is called "My Hero" from Seishun Scandal. Oh no. Oh no, that's the game. AKA Se Seishun Scandal. The track is called "Battle with Mohican." The composer unknown. Console fantastic. The <laughs> Sega Genesis. Uh, Sega, Sega Master System. Sorry. There's a little ding, ding that happens in the song. Mm -hmm. I'm going to assume that that's something with the way it's being emulated. I don't think that that's what it would have sounded like on the actual hardware. What do you think? You're the expert on the Sega Master System. Do you know what I'm talking about? I think it would sound like that. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> my guess. Yeah. Yeah, this game is my hero. I just included the Japanese title of Seishun Scandal oh, for some reason. cool. Just in case. I have no idea why. I was moved in the moment. Mm. So I think what the jukebox is trying to tell us is that being a jukebox is a kind of hectic, high-energy uh, reality, you know? Mm -hmm. You gotta keep up with all the requests. You gotta keep your library stocked so that you can deal with patron demand. You know, and when most people are done with their jobs and they're relaxing, you're working. Yeah. It does sound like a work song to me in a weird way. Yeah, doesn't it? It's trying to keep your energy up, but <clears throat> it also uh, realizes that uh, what you're doing is not 
making you happy, you kind of got to like dig deep, you know? Yeah, that's true. I would agree. Yeah. Oh. Poor little well, I hope, juke. I hope the haunted jukebox, you know. Maybe this was what his life was like before he signed on with us, before he joined our party. Well, he's a haunted jukebox. Maybe maybe it takes a lot of effort for him to use his like uh, ectoplasmic abilities <laughs> to move a jukebox around. You know what I mean? Right, I like that. Or... Because mostly ghosts can just like blow a, a, a drape or something like that. He's got a lug around a jukebox. Oh, that's true. <clears throat> I mean, all right, so here's the question. Mm -hmm. Maybe we can ask Haju this. I don't know if Haju can answer or will answer. Maybe he will keep it a mystery. Mm -hmm. So was Haju a person before? Oh. Who has possessed this jukebox? Or is he a ghost jukebox? Like a jukebox that died? Because if he was a person before, perhaps... What I'm imagining... I'm thinking of Tapper. I'm imagining maybe he was the guy in Tapper oh. running around throwing those drinks among the tables and his... You know, that's what the song sounds like to me. I like that, but that guy is still alive. That's true. So... Well, he's the one that got famous. So maybe Haju is just the everyman Tapper. Oh, yeah. Maybe he's the guy who never got his drink and he died. <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah okay i like that oh he's just waiting for his drink oh haju i hope that your life is stress-free and enjoyable now he looks like the uh jukebox from moonwalker though so yeah he does maybe he's a dead gangster or michael jackson no not haju what if he i actually like the idea of him just being a jukebox that died what <laughs> like maybe the jukebox just stopped working oh i see what if he, he is wasn't going to let death get in the way? What if he what? What if he's Michael Jackson? Never mind. I don't think so. All right. But what if? Yeah, what if? Never mind. Then I think it, that he would be like tilted at an impossible angle. Kind of like oh, in that yeah. <laughs> music video with those special shoes. Yeah. Is he wearing one glove? He's not wearing any gloves. It can't be Michael Jackson. That's true. But he is wearing, like, a gold bikini over his pants. <laughs> this is going to take some more research, I think. <laughs> yeah, we'll figure it out. Maybe we'll call the Ghostbusters and we'll find out. All right. All right, well, that's the end, right? Yeah. Of this extremely long episode. Yep. But we figured it out. We figured, we figured out it out. What did we figure out? Gender roles. Oh, like we're done. Yeah, we're done thinking about it and talking. We solved all the questions. We've answered all the questions that there possibly could be in the world on this topic. You know what there is? You know what's okay? There's actually one thing that I think is kind of funny, but I think it's been said before. Mm. But one thing that's kind of ironic. I think about the LGBTQIA movement is the way that transgender people. Okay, so like if we think of um, c kind of part of the LGBT um, argument is that gender roles are socialized, right? Right. Or. But with. Uh, but th that's some aspect of gender role is socialized, of gender roles are socialized. 
in a detrimental way oftentimes or whatever. Yep. But um, one of the interesting things is that transgender people suggest that they're not socialized. Right. <clears throat> right. Uh, Absolutely. And that, you know, there's this idea of I need to be this other thing. And I want to prescribe to this, this, and this, and this when it comes to all the roles that the opposite, that that gender is supposed to have. Right. And so that's a part of, um, I don't know, who a person is. No, that's is. an extremely astute and important observation. And what I would love is if we could get a patron with those experiences to weigh in. Oh, yeah. Because obviously we can only speak for ourselves and... You know, everything that we've said in this episode, you know, I really hope that people can kind of process as an opinion and take with a grain of salt because I'm not and we're not trying to delegitimize anybody's life experiences whatsoever. I think all you can do is just put forth what you have personally experienced into the mix and just, you know, see how that contributes to the larger picture. So mm. that being said, contrary opinions different opinions um people expounding on this but don't talk to me about ghostbusters okay okay ghostbusters is off limits but my point is you know we welcome all of the different opinions so please we want to learn so contribute to our learning yeah contribute to everyone's learning that's what we're here for is to get together at the bar listen to some tunes and learn some stuff about each other. And on that note, let's thank the patrons who contributed to this week's episode. Yoshimitsu with Utopia Nemo. Mike from Teenagers with Attitude. Capsule J. Zatch. Super Kicks. Su Super Kicks. I think I said Super Kicks for some reason. Super Kicks all day long. And Lil Surf and Turf. And to everyone else who's written in and submitted suggestions, keep them coming, as usual. Go to our website, thevgmjukebox.com, and click the Suggest a Track button on the right-hand side to send your recommendation our way. Or send us an email at thevgmjukebox at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at VGMJB. <clears throat> and if you want to find us individually, Josh is at joshadachi again. Emily is at Keyglyph, and please put up your hand-drawn maps if you've got a Twitter account and you have these hand-drawn maps, uh, or post them on Facebook. We want to see those, so definitely, patrons, send those in. I will contribute some as well. Yes, yes, yes. All right. Well, it's been a pleasure. Are your legs all rested up? Are you ready to get back on the road? A little bit. Maybe. I don't know. We've been walking for a really long time, and walking in right angles is kind of aggravating. Do you know how much time we could save if we could just go diagonally? Hey, look. It's not that kind of D-pad, okay? All right, yeah. all right. Um, all right, well, I'll see you next- Oh, wait, 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 we have- oh. we- did we mention Facebook? Did we mention Facebook? Yeah, I- we didn't, but I was just gonna let it- let us not let it go but here, oh you, know you can what, find though? us on I, facebook though dear patron. you can and i did i did want to mention this briefly because i wanted to draw a little bit of attention to our patron um john jaquette 
who's been posting highlights reels of himself playing Smash Brothers um, in our in our little kind of comment section on the left. And I think they're really cool. So I just wanted to mention that I've been watching those and he does some really funny things with timing because he puts the clips to music. Uh-huh. So sometimes the timing really lines up intentionally in amusing ways. So check those out. He just put up a montage of him playing as Cloud and earlier he did one as Bowser. So they're there. Cool. And I also, we're, we are going to be putting up a picture of me as a kid. I've decided that links into this Tetris question that you brought up. And if you have any ideas, dear patron, for uh, video games that would not be uh, male-centric, please let us know in the comments section. Anyways, let's go. Let's go. Okay. Let's... Come on. Or you can ride on Haju if you really want to, but I don't know. I don't know. Can I? Is he a mount? I don't (laughs) think that works. Oh, uh, yeah. We'll try it out. Anyways, see you next week, everybody. Uh, bye. Bye.